I've had the pleasure of serving on the advisory board for the South by Southwest Interactive Conference since its health track was created in 2010. In that role, I get to see and vote on all of the healthcare panel submissions. This year, it was frankly a little difficult to find one that didn't have artificial intelligence in the title. As a result, my skepticism is a little bit on the high side. On one hand, healthcare companies are finally beginning to understand the value that lies in their operational data, and they desperately need common sense AI solutions to help them use it effectively. On the other hand, traditional machine learning processes working on healthcare data can take months to run, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and may not ultimately be effective. But when I heard about a startup that was offering leading edge AI solutions for healthcare that could be turned around in 24 hours, my antenna went up, way up. Hello and welcome to DataPoint, the podcast that's all about how data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Andrew I, the co-founder and CEO of Closed Loop. Andrew had already started and sold three technology companies to the likes of Optiv and VMware before setting his sights on healthcare. The work that he, his co-founder Dave DiCaprio, and their team have done to create the data science platform for healthcare is truly remarkable. Listen and learn as we meet Closed Loop through its CEO, Andrew I. Andrew, thanks for having me over to the shop at Closed Loop today. Really glad to have you on the show. Thanks. Great to be here. So I've gotten to hear a little bit about how you came to be here, but one of the things I like to do is to frame up some context for the listeners. We're going to talk a lot about Closed Loop, but I'd like to be able to, to share a little bit about Andrew I and how you came to be here uh, as the co-founder and, and CEO of Closed Loop. Sure. Well, I guess my story is probably a little uh, out of the norm. Uh, my co-founder, uh, Dave DiCaprio, has been in this industry for 20 years. Um, Dave was on the Human Genome Project uh, at the Broad Institute, um, has been in the predictive analytics for uh, healthcare uh, space for 15 years. Um, and I really was looking for an opportunity to work with Dave. Uh, but my journey, um, you know, I'm relatively new to healthcare. Uh, so my background, I had started a company in the information security space back in 2007. Uh, we ran that for about three years, uh, made it to number 16 on the Inc. 500 list. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ultimately sold that uh, company to a firm called Optiv. Um, I went there for about 18 months, uh, you know, as a part of the executive team there, uh, but then decided to branch out and try something new. Um, so moved on and started a new company called Boxer. Uh, Boxer was a mobile email company. Uh, so it was Outlook for your smartphone before there was Outlook for your smartphone. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was venture backed, ran that one for three years. Uh, we were nominated for a Webby Award. Uh, lost out to Evernote that year, um, but ultimately ended up selling that to VMware as a part of their AirWatch business. Um, and that's now you know one of the most popular email applications in the App Store, yeah. and, you know, used by Walmart, Best Buy, and so on. Fantastic. Uh, having that made that second exit, and a couple of really nice exits. And by the way, if somebody's going to beat you, it might as well be Evernote. I'll put in a fanboy <laughs> plug for Evernote. Um, how did you and Dave finally come together? What was it that triggered your launch into healthcare. Yeah, you know, I like I said, I, I really wanted to work with Dave. He's just one of the smartest people I've ever known. But the truth is, you know, as I first kind of came into this space, I loved the market opportunity. I said, you know, there really is an opportunity for more intelligent software um, in the healthcare space. Um, so that was, I really liked the market opportunity, but it 
it became very personal for me um, when my youngest daughter became sick. Mm. Um, she was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis, uh, which is a rare disease. Yeah. Um, and she's doing great now. But the, the three-week diagnostic odyssey that we went through, you know, as, as many parents have to go through, um, I just realized how little her data was used in figuring out what was wrong with her um, or what we should do about it. And you know, that personal experience really led me to, to become inspired that this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about closed loop. And by the way, I'm so glad that your daughter is doing well. Autoimmune disorders are so, so tricky. And I, the more we learn about them, it seems uh, the more we uh, have yet to find out. Um, but let's talk about closed loop and what it is. Um, can you give us just the, the high level backgrounder? Yeah, so at a high level, we like to say health, uh, closed loop is healthcare's data science platform. I generally try to help people understand what that really means by explaining kind of our core uh, two pillars. So for us, uh, our technology is based on these two key ideas. The first is building out a machine learning automation platform specific for the healthcare industry. And so what that platform allows us to do is to ingest raw healthcare data from a variety of sources, claims, EHR, labs, social determinants of health, uh, ADT data or health information exchange data, and so on and so on, any patient linkable data, mm -hmm. and help data scientists take that raw data and build it into predictive models, better, faster, and cheaper, and specifically, more explainable and more accurate predictive models. So that's kind of the, the platform, and that helps our data scientists or our customers' data scientists build new predictive models. Sure. Then the second pillar is kind of this catalog of pre-built predictive models for common healthcare use cases. So what we find is, you know, if customers already have a data science team, then our platform allows them to build the next model or test their models or iterate on those models faster. If they don't already have a data science team and they're trying to figure out what does this machine learning stuff actually mean, they, can, they usually are focused on a handful of use cases, things like uh, total utilization or uh, readmission risk or avoidable ED utilization or no-shows for appointments. And so for all of those common healthcare use cases, we have these templates that can be retrained on a local population uh, and can help customers with those kind of predictive modeling questions that everybody wants to ask. Right now, we find that you know, every hospital in the country is reinventing the same wheel, mm. right? And so giving them that template as a starting point um, saves them the time of going out to Google Scholar and trying to reinvent the same research that you know five other people have already done. Sure. Let's talk about this for a second because I think it's important to segment your customers a little bit. If you have uh, a module that's pre-built around um, preventing readmissions or avoidable ED, why is it, what, what is the customizable part about that and why is that an important aspect of the model? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, we always try to meet customers where they are in terms of the data sources they have and kind of where their environment is. If you take a traditional kind of folks who are selling algorithms, if you go out and look at people who are selling, say, a readmissions algorithm, mm -hmm. the challenge with that is that that readmissions algorithm presupposes that you've got some certain data feed. So it might be based on claims might be based on EHR. Um, but if you have some additional data, let's say you've got an ADT feed or a health information exchange or a health risk assessment or some sensor data that's unique to your environment, 
those pre-built models or pre-built algorithms from you know, some of these traditional vendors, mm -hmm. they can't take advantage of any of those. And so the key is being able to take that template that knows how to use common data streams, but being able to extend it based on the data streams that you have. And the other key piece is this idea that you know, a, a readmissions model built on a national sample of patients is not going to be applicable in your particular environment, right? Take a look at LACE scores, right? LACE scores work really well for some uh, environments and not in others. And why is that? Well, it's because your local population gets readmitted for a different reason mm. than another population. So if I look at a federally qualified health center in the Bronx uh, with a pediatric population, their reasons for admissions and readmissions are quite different than if I look at a retirement community in South Florida. Right. And so being able to retrain that model based on your local data streams and your local population is key to getting really valuable insights out of your data. Fantastic. And so when you think of when we think about the kind of customers who can benefit most, I would imagine any kind of hospital or, or health system could benefit because they have some of the kind of data that, that uh, can can feed the system and and. Uh, get some good outcomes from it. But what are what are some of the permutations of uh, customer types that could potentially benefit from closed loop? Sure. So we hear from folks kind of in a few different buckets. Um, on the provider side, uh, there are folks who are kind of in a, still in a primarily fee-for-service model, and then there are folks who have moved to value. Okay. When folks have moved to value, whether that's with an ACO or a clinically integrated network, or maybe some of them are even you know, fully capitated, mm -hmm. for those folks, they're typically focused on efficiently applying uh, their proactive intervention strategies. So they might be trying to figure out who should we en enroll in care management, or who should get a home site visit, or who's really going to benefit from, you know, in terms of transitions of care, going to a skilled nursing facility versus getting a home site visit. Mm. And so on the provider side, if you're taking risk, that's kind of the way that folks tend to, to focus. If you're still in a fee-for-service world, you might be thinking about operational efficiencies. You might be thinking about no-shows. You might be thinking about quality measures, uh, things like sepsis risk. Um, and so those are some of the use cases we hear on the provider side. On the payer side, we see everything from who's going to churn from our plan, right? Who was in our Medicare Advantage plan this year? But we're worried maybe we're not providing the best service to them and they might be at risk for going somewhere else. And is there something we can do proactively to help? Huh. Um, or we see the same use cases where those payers are trying to drive down the total cost of care with things like care management and so forth. And then, you know, the last bucket is really in kind of the pharma and research world. Okay. And so where in the payer and provider space, we see folks who are interested in changing their day-to-day -day workflow um, to really impact efficiencies. On the pharma and research side, what we see is folks who are interested in looking at historical data to try and better target uh, whether it's drugs or devices um, or find those subpopulations for whom their particular products may be the best fit. Um, and so the use cases are a little different there. So theoretically speaking, in a, from a pharma use case, I'm imagining that real world data studies could be a really interesting application here. And I've actually heard some very interesting discussions lately about actually using real world evidence and real world data as uh, 
you know, a proxy control group in certain kinds of clinical trials. You're exactly right. Yep. Is that the kind of scenario where closed loop may be able to come in and get to some insights from that mass of data uh, very quickly? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that we see is kind of the real world evidence aspect uh, in terms of um, application of those uh, interventions of those drugs in market. Mm -hmm. And then we also see, you know, identification of patients for clinical trials, right? And so being able to find those folks who may not be exactly coded correctly, but may be uh, great candidates for clinical trials. So there's a number of use cases kind of in the pharma space as well. That is really interesting. And I, you mentioned um, some, some data sources that I guess I wouldn't think of as tra traditional, like uh, health risk assessments and other kinds of things that point out uh, elements of social determinants. And I know with clinical trials, it's not always just about the, you know, age and, you know, has been on this treatment for a month. A lot of it has to do with other things that are that are harder to find. Can you talk about some of those less traditional data sources and how they can be effectively leveraged? Yeah, absolutely. Social determinants is really a hot topic these days, right? Um, particularly as we see folks in kind of Medicaid populations, but really across the board, um, social determinants are a very, very um, hot topic. And so, you know, we've worked with customers who have great uh, social determinants data that they've collected over a three-year history. Medical Home Network is a great example in Chicago, 200,000 patient Medicaid population with a 90% completion rate on their health risk assessments. Wow. So they have really good visibility into who has problems with transportation, who has problems, um, you know, with a variety of these kind of social factors. Uh but for a lot of customers, you know, they say, well, Andrew, that's great, but I don't have a 90% completion rate on my health risk assessments. Uh, I don't have that long of a history of data. So how do I get started there? Sure. And, you know, there's great proxies to that data as well. So if you look at the census data that's available on food deserts um, and socioeconomic status, uh, if you look at things like the area deprivation index, which always goes all the way down to a county block level, mm -hmm. we build that information, that publicly available information right into our platform which means every model that we generate, whether it's for admissions, readmissions, total utilization, comes with social factors built in, and we're using patient address uh, to map to the, that social factors public data. So whether that's a model that we have off the shelf, or whether that's our data scientists or our customers' data scientists creating new models, those social factors are always available as variables uh, for any of those predictive models. That is fascinating. All right, we're going to stop there for a quick break, but stick around. We will be right back with Andrew I. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Spire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. Rapid changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency and access to information and content. With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touchpoint. From the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management, Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touch points that matter. All right, we are back on the Data Point podcast. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and we're here with Andrew I, the co-founder and CEO of Closed Loop. Andrew, I want to I want to talk about AI because, well, I guess everybody's talking about AI. 
But how are people actually using it? What are you seeing out in the marketplace in terms of the ways that is actually making an impact today? Sure. Yeah, I think the, the shift to value-based care has been one of the biggest drivers um, for this entire industry of machine learning and predictive analytics and artificial intelligence. You know, pick, pick your term. Um, and I think what you're seeing is as organizations mature in sophistication and really think about, hey, I have a financial incentive to drive down the total cost of care. How am I going to do that? Um, what we see is that people often start with broad questions like who should get care management? Right? Out of my entire population, who should I be focused on, the top 3%, 5%, that I'm going to do something proactively, assign a case manager, uh, assign a care coordinator, and so forth. And so oftentimes that maps to a question like total utilization. And then what we see is folks then often will move on to increasing levels of sophistication. Okay. And so they'll go from a simple question like who should get care management mm. to intervention-specific risk scores. And I think one of the challenges that people have is that they've been taught to think of just a risk score, right? Andrew's high risk. And that nobody knows where that risk score came from. Oh, I think we get it from our payer partner. Uh, well, and you know, my question is always risk of what, right? Somebody's yeah. high risk, high risk of what? And so what we try to encourage people to think about is what is your intervention strategy? And for each of those interventions, there's some avoidable outcome, some negative health outcome you're trying to avoid. How do we map our questions and predictions to that so that we can more efficiently use those proactive interventions? So that means having a different risk score for total utilization and who should get care management and a separate risk score for who's most likely to be an overutilizer of the ED because our intervention strategy there is going to be a little different or who's most likely out of all the people who were admitted in the last 30 days, who's most likely to be readmitted, right? And we're going to have a different intervention strategy there. So when you get to that level where you're talking about proactive interventions, does it make it easier then to know whether you're getting your money's worth in terms of the investment that you make in the analysis? Absolutely. So one of the things that we've tried to help customers understand is what is that incremental accuracy worth to you? Mm. So for us, that means building right into the platform an ROI calculator um, uh, that shows you, uh, given a couple of assumptions, given an assumption of the cost of a negative health outcome, let's say a readmission costs you $10,000, um, and given some known cost for the intervention, let's say a home site visit of $300, what is the optimal number of home site visits to do given how accurate you can be in predicting the next readmission? Mm. And so we build this right into the platform. So as you build a predictive model, we can tell you, hey, you were using LACE scores yesterday based on a machine learning application and a historical review of your data. We can do that in as little as 24 hours. Here's how much more accurate we can be training a new model on your historical data versus using a LACE score. And given that we can be that much more accurate, how many more dollars should you expect to save this year? So you not only can we give you that visibility, but we can help you communicate that up the value chain so your CFO understands why is your analytics team wanting to invest in machine learning? We can help you make that case. That's fantastic. And I think it, you, it raises a really interesting point about how easy it is to be prescriptive about an intervention when you have this kind of data. Can you talk about how, uh, how you're able to be that prescriptive and, and how does that differentiate from a uh, some of the other studies that people are typically doing out there? Yeah, I think, you know, 
this is a, a change in thinking for some people, but when you're talking about population health and you're sorting a population from most likely to to least likely to X, most likely to be admitted, most likely to be readmitted, most mm -hmm. likely to be expensive, you're thinking about these things in terms of probabilities. And so when we start to shift to questions of prescriptive analytics, and not just sorting the list by who should get care management or not, right. but rather... Now that let's take the readmissions case, for example, now that we've found all these people who are likely to be readmitted, what's the right intervention on an individual basis? This is the way that we try to approach that is to help help facilitate and help support the decisions that those clinical staff are already making by showing them, hey, here's what this person's risk looks like if you do nothing, right? They're in the top 99th percentile if you do nothing uh, for risk of readmission. But here's how that risk changes if you do a home site visit. Mm. Here's how that risk changes if you send them to a skilled nursing facility. And so now what you're looking for is trying to balance, hey, everybody can't go to skilled nursing. How do I find the people who have the best positive outcome, have the biggest decrease in risk by going to skilled nursing? And that's where we're trying to give folks a new data point to support their decisions, right? right. And I love that because it, it means that of any interventions that uh, one of your customers had, has at its disposal, you're able to help them prioritize those interventions to target them at exactly the right audience. And frankly, to recognize that, you know, they don't have an unlimited amount of resources for home visits. There's a cap at, you know, level X. So you got to use those, you know, those home visit nurses uh, as efficiently as you can. Well, you know, it's so exciting to be in this industry at this time because for the first time, these interests are all aligned. Right. Everybody can't get every proactive intervention. Right. There's just not everyone understands that we need to drive down the cost of care. Mm. But at the same time, what we're talking about now are proactive interventions and really helping people navigate this system. When we're talking about who gets a case manager, my goodness, like what a what a much better place we're in. Right. Where we're being proactive with people, not just waiting for them to show up back at the ED because that fills a bed. And so, you know, this is what we're passionate about. And. Being efficient is not mutually exclusive with providing great care. And now that the incentives are in the right place, you know, we're getting to help in that process. Fantastic. You know, you've alluded to this a little bit, but I want to get specific about this term that I've heard about uh, explainable AI. Can you tell me about what that is and, and you know, how it relates to closed loop and what sure. you're doing here? Yeah, you know, a lot of times when people talk about explainable AI um, or, or the counter side of that, people will talk about AI as a black box. Mm. And, you know, hey, Andrew, what does your black box do? And that's the that's the worst word for me, right? Because we are absolutely not a black box. I like to I like to say we're a transparent box. There you go. Right. And so what this is really about is helping people understand, you know, in the traditional world, the way that this would work is you would send over all of your, let's say, claims data. Uh, historical claims data on a given patient, and you would get back some risk score. Yep. Um, and you wouldn't really know risk of what. It would just be a risk score. And you would just get a high, medium, or low. And that could have come from CDPS or HCC scores or uh, ACG Grouper. There's lots of different products out there mm. or you know, solutions that are used in risk adjustment. And that can be helpful in prioritizing resources, but it is a black box. Sure. You don't know what that risk score means. And so for us, what that looks like is we focus on comprehensive risk profiles. So what closed loop churns out is not just a risk score. It doesn't say Andrew's high risk. It says Andrew is in the 99.7th percentile out of your total population for this outcome. Let's say he's in the 99th percentile 
for readmission risk. Mm -hmm. And then we tell you the reasons why at an individual patient level. Wow. And so we'll tell you based on your raw data, hey, the reason Andrew's high risk is that I saw his BMI was X. I saw that he had uh, complaints of chest pain uh, during a hospital admission last week uh, from my ADT feed. And I saw he's on these two uh, prescriptions. And I saw that uh, you know he had a uh, health risk assessment three months ago where he mentioned that he was feeling depressed. Being able to synthesize all of those data points into a single risk score and then give you back those reasons why on an individual patient level yeah. means we're not just more accurate, but we're more valuable because now those case managers aren't just saying, well, I guess Andrew's high risk. They're saying Andrew's high risk and I know why. Yep. Now I know what conversation to have with him. It's so, the reality is always so much more complex than just a risk score. That it makes a ton of sense. You know, I, I think as we're winding down here, as we're closing out, I want to talk about how people actually engage with closed loop because it sounds, it sound, to be honest with you, it sounds really onerous. These, all these data sets that we, that have to be brought together, like what, how do people actually engage you? And is it, you know, is this a two year process to, to get the kind of insights I want out of my data? Sure. Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, I'll, answer that in two parts. The first is kind of what does an actual onboarding process look like? So an onboarding process for us typically looks like we have a couple of phone conversations to talk about, you know, if you had a crystal ball for healthcare, what would be the most important thing you could ask it, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Is that about readmissions? Is it about total utilization? Is it about no-shows? Is it about sepsis? What is the most important and valuable question to your organization? And then from there, uh, we're going to sign a BAA and ideally you're going to send us um, a historical data set, a year's worth of data, uh, where in as little as 24 hours, we can tell you how much signal do we see in that data for predicting the outcome you're interested in. And so that's very different than how these things have worked in the past. I'm sorry, did you say 24 hours? Right. So the way that this works, again, because we've built in all this automation to the machine learning process, we don't have a lot of manual labor. This isn't a custom consulting engagement hmm. every time we talk to a new customer. And so most of the technology we've built is about onboarding common healthcare data types. So if you can give us that one year data load, whether that's claims data, EHR data, ADT data, mm -hmm. you know, uh, health risk assessment data, you can give us that one year load of data and an outcome that we can see in that data. So if you want to see, you want to predict readmissions, yeah. I need to see an admissions flash. Sure. If you want to predict onset of diabetes, I need to see a diabetes diagnosis code. But if you've got that data, in 24 hours, we can create a new predictive model, whether that's one of our off-the-shelf models or a new custom model for any outcome we can see in your data. Man, that is incredible. And that that effectively trains the algorithm for this specific data set, meaning, you know, that customer can move forward immediately. That's right. And so, you know, for us, what we always try to encourage customers to focus on is let's look at the use cases where you already have data in place mm -hmm. and an intervention strategy for that outcome. So what we don't want to do where we where it can be harder to justify value is to make some new prediction and say, great, I can tell you with 85% accuracy who's going to be readmitted to the hospital. If you don't have a game plan as to what you're going to do differently when I give you that amazing list, then we really are going to have a hard time communicating the return on investment right? Because now we're not positioned to help somebody better. So what we look for ideally is where do you already have an intervention strategy in place? 
let's say that's home site visits, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe that's transitions of care around skilled nursing. And can we help you better target those intervention strategies you're already investing in um, through machine learning and predictive analytics, right? And so if we can do that, then we can help you very quickly show a tangible return on investment uh, for those projects. That's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a very pragmatic thing. You know, when you first started talking about it, it sounded more like a flying car, but it, it actually sounds like an incredibly practical process. To People have been doing this for a long time, right? The idea of sorting a work list is not new, sure, right? But the ability to transparently make those predictions, sort that list, and then explain why, that is the key differentiator. That's what's new in the industry in the last 18 to 24 months. Um, and that's what we're trying to help folks kind of wrap their heads around and, and really deploy. That's amazing. So, Andrew, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing here at Closed Loop, where should they go? Sure. Uh, well, the website is uh, closedloop.ai. Um, you can reach out to me via LinkedIn, uh, via email. Uh, but yeah, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. I will make sure that those links are in the show notes. Um, this has been a terrific conversation. I'm so grateful for you uh, giving of your time and your expertise. Uh, it's really exciting, the work that you're doing. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks for your time. And uh, it was great talking with you. Thanks so much for listening to the DataPoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.